Hello listeners, Forefront 360 Arts Review is back. I'm your friendly neighborhood Rich Chrisman, and I have with me here today, Sean O'Hare. Hey guys. Zach Osinski. Hello. And Nate Mancini. Hello. Per usual, in this episode, we will go around the table. It's a literal coffee table for us here at Forefront HQ. And each of us will share something that has stood out to us recently at the intersection of art and the Christian faith. Today, we will start with Sean. Yeah, so today I would like to talk about a book that I read a few months back. Um, uh, It's a book called Confessions. It's actually written by Leo Tolstoy. And um, it's a shorter book, but it's very packed. There's there's really a lot in there. Um, Essentially, it is a... A recounting of his spiritual journey from his boyhood until his his old age and he he chronicles the progression that he has going from growing up in the Russian Orthodox Church to then falling away from his belief in God and um, kind of leading in a decadent kind of immoral life and and then he he goes through bouts of uh, depression and nihilism and eventually return back to the Russian Orthodox Church, but then eventually he kind of even drifts away from that and has a more of a looser theological framework. But reading through this, there, there, it's a very dense book. There's a lot going on in there, um, some pretty intricate philosophical and theological things that he's dealing with. But um, because it's happening through the lens of personal narrative, uh, it's very accessible and it's very fluid. Though I mean, obviously he's an incredible writer, so. It's very accessible the way that he lays it out, you know, and it's not too dense. It's not like reading philosophy textbook, really. But uh, in particular, I wanted to talk about it here because um, one of the big threads that runs through the book is the idea of nihilism and trying to face down the prospect of the um, immediacy of the physical world and how there's we're kind of hanging over this abyss of ceasing to exist Mm. very soon. And struggling with the despair that comes from that. And, you know, as someone who is interested in uh, the intersection of Christianity and the arts, reading through this compelling articulation of nihilism, and he kind of leads you through the premises, and if you accept them, it's kind of hard to argue your way out of the the progression that he gets you into. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important, I think, for us as people who believe in beauty and truth and, and artistry that reverberates beyond the confines of this physical world and into mm. eternity to to wrestle with these ideas of nihilism and to wrestle with these ideas of despair. Mm. Um, and there's a particularly striking episode he talks about. I just want to read you guys a quick little uh, paragraph here where he recounts after he's moved to St. Petersburg and he's been uh, joined into this group of, of poets and writers and artists. And he talks about how he quickly becomes... Uh, disillusioned with it and he sees the futility of a lot of the stuff that they're they're doing and and how they've kind of created this religion of enlightenment and the artists and the, the poets and the the writers are kind of these priests to this religion but there's a lot of infighting and backbiting and um so he particularly he lays out this one part he says at the time we were all convinced that we had to speak write and publish as quickly as possible in as much as possible, and that this was necessary for the good of mankind. Thousands of us published and wrote in an effort to teach others, all the while disclaiming and abusing one another. Without taking note of the fact that we knew nothing, that we did not know the answer to the simplest question of life, 
the question of what is right and what is wrong, we all went on talking without listening to one another. At times we would indulge and praise each other on the condition that we would be indulged in praise in return. At other times we would irritate and shout at each other exactly as in a madhouse. And so this imagery of madness and in a madhouse um, is really striking because I think that compared to what we understand as Christian artists is um, the really uh, intense comparison there. And I think it's important for us as Christian artists to be dealing with that. So I think there's a lot in here that people within our circles and who like to think about these things would be very interested in. So the shorter yeah. book. Um, wow. And if you, if you really sit down with it and read through it, you can get through it in a day or two. So, so it's really compelling. That's awesome. Uh, I won't ruin the story for you guys, but yeah. yeah so. It seems like for people who are, are thinkers themselves and people yeah. who are kind of talking to other people about their thoughts, mm-hmm. it's probably somewhat of a sobering book in that way, right? To yeah. realize like, okay, there are some, some things to be aware of and some, some pitfalls to avoid. Mm-hmm. Right? There's some really masterful imagery that he portrays throughout the book too and there's some really moving parts in there too he recounts um, at the end of the book he recounts a dream that encapsulates the kind of the spiritual arc of his journey and it represents and symbolizes a lot of what he comes to believe at the end of his life and it's very very moving very compelling so well worth a read so remind us the title and author uh leo tolstoy and it's called the name of the book is called confessions awesome Zach, what do you got to share with us today? So, it seems fitting to me that the guy who has a trouble who has trouble with Christmas albums should bring a really amazing Lent album to the podcast today. Woo! Nice. Which this is the first Lent album that I've ever come across, and I was really excited to to come upon it this season. So this is simply titled Lent by um, Liturgical Folk. It was just released February 1st, 2019. And this is my first encounter with the collective of Liturgical Folk. And behind it, um, two of the guys behind it, Ryan Flanagan, who's a songwriter and church music director in Texas, and a poet priest, Nelson Kocheski. Lent takes you through basically each holy day of Lent, starting with Ash Wednesday, going all the way to um, Easter Eve. So there is a basically a Lenten hymn for each Sunday, um, then Palm Sunday, etc. And Lent brings in several musicians, Lauren Plank-Gones, Liz Weiss, and Josh Garrels. Now, the texts for Lent are based in collects from the Book of Common Prayer and fleshed out by poet-priest Nelson Kocheski. And several composers, including Ryan Flanagan, um, are the ones who set them to music. Oh my goodness, it's so beautiful. And one of the great things about it is that I believe it really embodies the spirit of repentance and and lowliness that we reflect on in this Lenten season and leads you to a place where um, ideally 
we hope that our spirits come to where um, we our sin, our darkness has been revealed to us. We've repented, we've grieved. And the eve of Easter, we reach this great new hope in Jesus Christ. Um, and I have to admit, I could not find published lyrics for these tracks, but um, so I'm reading this one off the website Mockingbird, um, but the uh, Easter Eve track uh, leaves you with the lyrics, new growth now comes to those who stomped the seed and those who quashed the lamp now walk in light. Now those who silenced God can hear him speak. Dead live, deaf hear, and blind receive their sight. Um, so this is a great, great album. And so I'd highly recommend Lent by Liturgical Folk. That sounds amazing. I already queued it up on Spotify. <laughs> so good work. That's great. Thanks, Zach. Ah! Nate, what do you got to share with us today? So I'd like to talk about a documentary that I just watched called American Gospel, Christ Alone. And this documentary was created by Brandon Kimber and a comparatively small team to what you might expect on a lot of kind of big documentaries. Um, and he's done this incredible job of, of creating a, a very well-produced documentary about an extremely important topic. Uh, I was very, very impressed by it. This documentary is all about the gospel. It's about what is the true gospel and how has the gospel been distorted by American culture? And how have we then exported that distorted gospel around the world? Um, and so it, it basically contrasts the true gospel of Jesus Christ with the prosperity gospel or the, the word of faith movement, which essentially says uh, that God intends for your life to be comfortable. He intends you to have health. He intends you to have wealth. He wants you to have prosperity. And if you don't have prosperity, it's because you don't have enough faith. And so yeah. you need to come up with more faith. And if you come up with that faith, then God is going to bless you with all of these things that he intends you to have. And of course, the true gospel is 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 the opposite of that. The true gospel is is actually um, that in in this life uh, we are going to have have lowliness and we're going to have suffering uh, because we're we're following in the footsteps of Christ, um, Christ who is the sacrifice for us. So uh, rather than we deserve all this awesome stuff in this life, we don't deserve anything. Um, but by the grace of God, we're going to have eternal life. But until then, we're going we're gonna to have suffering. And so it's this incredible contrast between these, these prosperity gospel preachers who are saying, you deserve all this stuff, you can get all these amazing things. Um, and, then, and then preachers of the true gospel who are saying, hey, this life's going to be hard in service of Christ, but it's worth it. Um, it's worth it because Christ is, is all satisfying and, and uh, relationship with God is worth everything. And so it's a, a fascinating and, a topic and, and probably the most important topic that, that we could discuss um, is, is the gospel itself. And this documentary is, uh, is, is just wonderful. And so I, I think it's something that 
literally everybody should watch. Um, <laughs> I think I think uh, unbelievers would would benefit from it because it allows them to get a look at the true gospel versus the 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 false gospel. And I think for believers, it's a great reminder of what the true gospel is, and and to be on the lookout for for false teaching in the church. <clears throat> so, a couple uh, minor criticisms I have of it are that it's a little bit slow at the beginning. It, it kind of walks through a lot of theology at the beginning of the documentary, and that can get a little slow at first. Um, and it's a pretty long documentary. It's like two hours and twenty minutes. So it's it's a, it's it is a long film to to, to get through. Um, and there's not a lot of action in the sense that there aren't a whole lot of clips where you're watching somebody kind of doing something. Most of it is, you know, interviews with people and, and kind of animations and graphics that show what they're talking about and juxtaposing things. So it is a lot of talking. And so you, you have to be engaged and you have to be listening and you have to be willing to learn from it. Um, but I think aside from those those minor things it is a very well put together documentary and not only does it i think ultimately proclaim truth but it does some very artistic things in the way that it does that where it it, it will juxtapose say the the preaching of, of a prosperity gospel preacher saying you know you you're gonna have wealth and you're gonna have power and it juxtaposes that with uh, with Christians who are getting beheaded for their faith, mm-hmm. and and so it it, it 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 invites you with those visuals to ask the question: If God intends your life to be comfortable, well, what are these people doing who are who are being martyred for their faith? They, they must have done something wrong, right? Because um, they didn't get what what they deserve. They didn't get all this this health and wealth. And so it, 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 it does this incredible job of contrasting the Word of Faith movement with, with the true gospel of Christ. And, and I think um, it's ultimately very sobering because we, we look at the fact that um, in a lot of America, the gospel that's being preached is actually not the true gospel, but is, is a false gospel of, of prosperity in this life. Yeah. And um, I think it it really invites us to take a closer look at, at, at our, our churches and, and what we're telling people. And, you know, are, are we telling people about the true Jesus? Yeah. And so um, I would highly recommend you check out this documentary. It's called American Gospel, Christ Alone. You can rent it on iTunes or Amazon or Vimeo, pretty much anywhere movies are sold. And uh, I, would, I would commend that to you. Cool. I was about to ask where to get it, and now I have many options of where I can go get it. <laughs> sounds good. It's totally worth it. That sounds great. Okay, kind of a change in thematic gears here, but uh, this is Rich again. What I want to share with you guys, if you're a subscriber to Relevant Magazine, you already uh, are on this topic, but I want to introduce you guys to a fashion designer named Jerry Lorenzo, which is someone who may or may not be new to you. If you, for the past... 10 years have been a diehard fan of Justin Bieber, Kanye West, or Kendall Jenner. You might already know him whether you know it or not. Um, and if you play NBA 2K19 on Xbox One, you might have even played as him without knowing it. He is a playable character on that for some reason. Um, <laughs> but Jerry Lorenzo is a 42-year-old LA-based 
Super cool, self-taught fashion designer and now luxury streetwear brand creator. He is also an outspoken Christian. Um, I saw in the relevant article and another article on complex.com that they said right away that Jerry Lorenzo is an outspoken Christian. And I was like, hmm, I wonder how outspoken he is. So I dialed up his Twitter really quickly. And the most recent tweet that he has is like blatantly, compellingly Christian. And it looked like something that our own friend Ben Myers would have posted. So I was, I was impressed right away. So, um... Yeah, so he has designed specifically for celebrities, influencers, and also Nike. So he's done, he did all the clothes for Justin Bieber for his last tour and stuff like that. But this is kind of behind the scenes stuff. And just now, um, over the past year or so, he started to kind of come out of the shadows. In the past, he had purposely, according to this article, again from Relevant, um, he had kind of chosen to be in, he worked in an unmarked building. And didn't really show up at a lot of public events and whatnot. But now he's kind of breaking out. Um, and he has recently launched his own um, streetwear brand, which is called Fear of God. And so this is kind of the article. The article kind of delves into him as a person and also this particular label and why it's called, what it is, and whatnot. So I'll let the clothing speak for themselves. You can go to fearofgod.com or look at look up fear of God on Instagram or on Twitter and look at that. It's definitely, um, cutting edge. So it's a, he, it's self-described as a blue collar inspired high fashion streetwear brand. So, um, and it looks pretty similar to what you typically see Kanye West wearing probably because many things Kanye wears have been designed by Jerry Lorenzo, which is pretty cool. So yeah, which is awesome. And apparently him and Kanye are close. So, so it's really cool. Again, I'll let you kind of, you know, you just looking it up is going to speak much more than I could try to like fumble through and try to describe fashion to you, which I know very <laughs> little about. But um, one thing that's super cool to me is I'm, uh, I spend a ton of time on Instagram. Um, I've done some like micro influencing and stuff. And one thing that really was interesting to me was uh, in looking a little deeper into this guy, um, just as far as his work goes, um, have you ever noticed that 90s inspired streetwear is making a huge comeback right now, especially in athletic wear and also work wear, like distressed denim jackets and jeans with holes in the knees and um, New Balance just released a whole line of sneakers that look like the sneakers you might, may have in your closet from 1997 um, and that sort of thing. Uh, not solely is this Jerry Lorenzo's doing, but even from years and years back, he described his aesthetic as um, like a 90s drawback. So now a lot of this stuff, like he's been working with these celebrities and influencers and designing for them. And a lot of that kind of 90s resurgence that we're seeing is due to this guy, which is pretty cool. Um, Interesting. Yeah, and it actually turns out that a couple influencers that I follow on Instagram have been wearing his designs for years and I just didn't make the connection until uh, I saw the relevant article so thank you relevant magazine for doing that yeah so just to I'll let you guys look into him yourself um, you can go the, this article is for free on uh, relevance website you can also look up um, there's also a really great article that was posted a few days ago on complex.com you could look that up also but some of the quotes that I pulled out that I think are just really telling um, are uh, 
this was a big bold quote in the in the article said it's him saying the only boss i have is the greatest creative director of all time and i'm okay with being his employee so i just thought that was pretty cool his a big thing about his um kind of aura is the freedom to work and also display himself like fashion wise not con- conforming to specific rules because like he only has one boss and it's not you know society or you know whatever it may be it's god alone which is interesting yeah and then on when discussing the brand name fear of god uh someone said like why do you want fear you know in there and he said uh i'm not talking about real fear i'm talking about a respect and a reverence but for the people that don't know that it's kind of gangster so (laughs) i thought that was kind of cool um yeah and then um just to show how much of a forefront artist this guy appears to be um in response to questions about Nike and other brands vending his gear for well above their regular top dollar price for even other shoes that were like designed by Kanye, like Yeezys and whatnot, um, his fear of God sneakers for Nike are more expensive than Yeezys. Um, and being asked about that, he said, uh, I can't compromise my perspective for pri- for price. I think God has called us to excellence. <laughs> so... Um, these guys out there making excellent, uh, excellent work. Um, Jerry Lorenzo, if you hear this, please design our Forefront Festival 2019 shirts and shoes. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, but these articles that I referenced, um, both on Complex and Relevant, go much more in depth. Uh, not only about his work, but they go really deep into his faith, his history. Um, his father was an MLB player, and so there's a lot of stuff about that. He talks about how he grew up reading devotionals and stories, um, uh, little tidbits from the uh, My Utmost for His Highest mm-hmm. still inspire a lot of his work now, which is really interesting. So it's fascinating. I'll let you guys go out and discover that. Again, his name is Jerry Lorenzo, and his brand is called Fear of God. Cool. So thank you guys for spending time with us. Um, we hope that you found our shares interesting, and if you guys would... We'd love it if you guys would continue in conversation with us, either on social or you can put comments here. And uh, Go to ForefrontFestival.com and check out our blog. Um, please engage in conversation with us. We'd love to keep this going. Thank you. Until next time. See you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.